on my pillow that won't dry on the road beyond my ears. I've no sorrow, but today I don't walk alone. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Thursday night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Now we would like to invite up our jokester, Joey, the jokester. Better be funny. (laughs) I'll do my best, Andrew. Hello, everyone. I am Joey, your honorary joke teller for the evening. Merry Merry Christmas. Hey, yo. Um, All right, I got a, speaking of the Christmas, I got a little bit of a holiday-themed joke for everyone. We have a joke consultant here. Pretty, pretty, we're doing pretty well. We got a good budget here at the, all right. Um, Why did Santa's little helper become an alcoholic? Because he had a low elf esteem. Thank you. Also a threefold disease. Thank you. Uh, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Uh, my name is Andrew. Thanks for, thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all your devices that might make noise or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. Thank you. 
now we, we're going to do the fog light prayer, and it is up here this time. Um, so if you'll repeat after me or with me. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. Uh, Tonight I've asked Bella to come up and read Appendix 2 entitled Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. everyone. I'm Bella. I'm an alcoholic. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few expectations, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. (laughs) 
Um, please refrain from disrupting others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane slash meeting mode or just turn it off. Um, so I'm excited to hear what Pat has to say um, because he comes up here and he presents, you know, the daily action that we can take. You know, a couple weeks ago he was talking about going to a concert and not being Serenity Pat, you know? And then last week he was talking about basically wanting to beat a guy up in a meeting because he thought he stole money that he found on top of the dresser. You know, but like that's what this program of action is all about. It's a design for a living that works in the tough going and it's a way for us to stop reacting and start responding. And so I'm just grateful that we get to hear a guy like Pat and we get to hear him over and over. And this is the last thing I'll say about this too. I had a conversation with somebody last week. We've, I've been... I'm grateful to have heard Pat so many times, but every time I hear him, he says something different. He might be saying the same stories, but he's always saying something different. So please help me welcome Pat with his 10th session. <laughs> 11, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who's counting? I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Pat. Thanks to the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous outlined in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program of AA. Uh, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and for that I'll be forever grateful. Uh, AA has truly given me a new way of life and, uh, and a new life worth living. I absolutely love my life today. And I love AA. I, I, you know, I don't just love AA. I'm in love with AA. Uh, uh, I, I was thinking on the way over here, I, I got a call uh, from a really good friend of mine uh, who became a really good friend of mine. Actually, when she came... Uh, uh, Brian H. and I uh, uh, took over the Joe and Charlie Big Book seminars, and she was a big Joe and Charlie fan. And uh, God, these lights are bright. And uh, she was skeptical. You know, I mean, she had been following Joe and Charlie around for, for years, and then all of a sudden there's these two new guys doing a Big Book seminar. And, and she was coming to uh, see how lousy we were and, uh, and compare us, you know, and... Uh, and she became a fan, and uh, and I and we became good friends. And and, and she calls me every once in a while for uh, to bounce stuff off of me, and, and and she thinks I know something about recovery. I don't know, you know. And uh, and she called me uh, yesterday and left a message, and, and said she had a, a question for me about the traditions, and and I still have that inner dialogue that says, what do you know about the traditions? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? I still have that dialogue that says, you're not qualified, you know? And I, st and I still have that coming here, you know, and doing this. And I, and, I mean, I've, I've been at the podium for a lot of years, and I have never lost the nervousness that comes along with public speaking. I, you know, it's just terrible. It's, <laughs> I, 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 used to, I used to say I suffered from torment, you know, and it feels the same as that torment. It, but I know it's nervousness, and it's, uh, and I think, you know, what that's what keeps me in the middle of this thing. I, I, I think God said, "Look, I'm not going to remove that shit because then, then you will rest on your laurels because I know you. You know, I know you, and and this, that is what keeps me. That that's what keeps me from resting on yesterday's recovery. Every day seems to be a new day for me." Uh, I don't know if it's torment anymore, but uh, maybe it is. Maybe it is. You know, I, I try to define it. And I, I used to think I was doing something wrong. You know, I would hear guys at the podium 
who I follow around. I mean, I'm, I'm a speaker stalker. You know, there's, there's guys I still stalk. Uh, you know, I've been around a few decades, and there's still a few guys that I still want what they have, you know. And uh, when I hear that somebody wants what I have, I'm not so sure you do, you know. <laughs> I mean, I have an answer that's other than alcohol and drugs. That's really what, what it comes down to, you know. When I, I, the feelings that I feel during the day, uh, I used to feel and drink over them, you know, and I, I used to feel and turn to a substance of some sort over them or, or go on a sex spree or a spending spree or buy a new car to make me feel better or something, you know, just to, so anything that, you know, I, I, I would pay any price to change the way I felt, you know, I would pay any price tomorrow to change the way I feel today, you know, and, and I no longer do that. I, I turn to the program, and I turn to what we've been talking about uh, on pages 84 through 88. You know, it, and I, I truly live in the middle of 84 through 88. I don't know what it is that still tells me I'm not qualified. You know, I don't know what that is. I read something today that really made me feel good. It says that God doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. You know, I thought that's pretty cool. You know, that kind of makes sense. You know, that... And, that we're all kind of uniquely valuable and, and because we all have different stories. And, and that's, uh, that, that's what makes everybody here a diamond, everybody that's in this room and everybody that's in AA, because somebody needs to hear you, not me. You know, there's people here that may not relate to me tonight, you know, and, and may not want what I have. <laughs> I, mean, I used to think, like I said, I'm, I'm doing something wrong, and I, and I realize now, no, you're not. You know, this is just, this is just who you are. You know, and accept who you are and, and roll with it and, and use 84 through 88 to, to, uh, to keep it centered, you know, to, keep it, to stay in the middle. And, and I always have been. I still, to this day, this idea rested on my laurels that it talks about ten, in the 10 step. It's just not even an option for me, not even an option. I, I'm that guy that gets up in the morning, and if I'm not working this program, I look in the mirror and go, shit, you know. Like, I wish this day was over, <laughs> you know, and, and I've lived like that for years, you know. One of the things I told my sons when they were growing up is, look, whatever you do, do something you like, you know, don't worry about the money, you know, don't worry about the prestige, don't worry about any of that stuff, just do something you like, don't get up every morning and wish the day was over, you know, don't wish your life away, and, and I found myself doing that for freaking years, for years. It was either this, well, I'm not going to do that again, tonight I'm coming straight home, you know, and I'm going to get some sleep. <laughs> you know, you've been up for three days. You know, it's time to rest. You know, or it's you know, I feel like she, I, I didn't get enough sleep last night because I was out too late, and, I, and tonight I'm coming home. Or I just don't want to. I got something I want. I got to face today that I don't want to face. You know, and and I, and I find myself living, you know, uh, ten and eleven on a moment to moment basis, constantly, constantly, just out of survival. Out of survival, because I don't, I don't want to feel that torment. I don't want to feel that nervousness. I, I don't want to be in fear, you know, and I, don't, and, and I have another option today. And, I, you know, I share that when I, when I talk about my fifth step, that, uh, that I got the, fi- the same feeling after my fifth step that I got halfway through that bottle of Boone's Farm, Strawberry Hill, back in 1973, you know. I got that same relief, and I realized that I had another option that day that I had found a power greater than alcohol, and that's what I needed in my life. I, I didn't need a power greater than me. I needed a power greater than that, because that's power. That, that would fix anything, temporarily, mind you, but it would fix anything. And I would pay the price for it. You know? 
And, and I know people who, you know, who've been there know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't, you know, we, we act like, I mean, step 10, when we were talking about last week, is the step that, that, that gets us living in the moment, right? It gets us living in the now, right? It gets us living moment to moment, you know, right here, right now, right? We act like that's a new concept. I've been living that for my whole life, you know? Dude, you know you got rent tomorrow. You shouldn't be spending that money. Fuck the rent, you know? It's about the now. Buy everybody around. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you shouldn't be buying that eight ball, man. You know, you, 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 got, you got bills to pay. Screw that. You know, it's about the moment. You know, I've, I've been living in the moment my whole life. This is not a new concept for me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're going to, te- you know, if you test dirty Friday, you're going to jail. Fuck that. You know? Yeah. We're in the moment, man. We're in the moment. Let's have a group conscious, guys. You know, you the guys in the bar. Let's have a group conscious. You know, where are we heading from here? <laughs> but this is where I can do it, and I realize that I can do this without a drink or a drug in my system. You know, I can deal with the moment without a drink or a drug in my system. I can constantly be going back to the solution that this book has to offer. You know, the great fact. I, I love that reading that you read. I mean, that's to me the miracle of AA. You know, a personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Sometimes white light. Sometimes just a moment at a time. <laughs> you know, just just a minute at a time. For me, it's that's my life. I live a minute. And look, when we're talking about living in the moment, we're not talking about not planning for the future. We're talking about emotionally. Emotionally speaking, we're going to live in the moment. We're going to still plan. We got a job interview next week. We're still going to prepare for the damn job interview, right? If I got bills to pay, I'm still going to plan on paying the bills. I'm not going to be living in the moment like I was before. F the bills. You know, buy everybody around. You know, eight ball. Let's go. You know. But emotionally speaking, I'm going to live in the now, in the moment. You know, I'm not going to worry about the future. I got tools now that, to deal with that. It's something that's coming up. I'm going to prepare for that so that I don't worry about the future. Right? But I got something coming up, and that's what this. this that's what the eleven step. In the, in the big book, 10 and 11 work together. That's my daily routine is 10 and 11. And it's really 11, 10, 11. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the way I work. It's, it's 11, 10, and 11. Right? It's get up in the morning and say thank you. No matter how shitty. I, I mean, I look in the mirror and I don't even mean it. Right? Thank you. Like that. Like Sometimes just like that. Thank you. Yeah. Just I'm grateful for another day. I'm sober. I'm grateful for another day. I'm grateful I didn't get high last night. Thank you. You know, sometimes it's just that simple. You know, but I do have some set readings and stuff that I do. You know, I get the 24-hour day reading. I do that reading religiously. I I do the grapevine reading religiously. Uh, my friend Bill uh, B from Texas sends me a reading every morning. I get stuff from all over the place that, that I get read. But there's certain readings that I do before I even leave the house. You know. I'm a third step prayer guy. I am, I am a third step prayer guy. I, I don't think there's a better prayer to start your day than that third step prayer. God, remove the, re, relieve me of the bondage of me. You know, relieve me of the bondage of myself. Take away my difficulties so I can bear witness to your power and your love and your way of life. Let me, let me do your will. Let me do your work. Let me be your employer, your employee today. You know, and it all, I leave the house feeling pretty good. Then I got a merge on the sawgrass, you know? and all the shit goes out the window, you know. 
And that's where the 10th step comes in, right? That's where, it come, that's where that comes in, you know? I'm, I'm merging, and, I, and look, there's three, you guys have probably heard it, there's three pats that show up at that merge, right? There's the one that says, F you guys, I'm beating all of you to that toll booth. And, and if it takes me going down the berm of the road to get in front of everybody, I will. Right? I'll floor that shit, throw up rocks and dirt, and, you know, I'll beat everybody to the next intersection, you know? <laughs> or there's the guy who just shoves his way in because you shouldn't be in that lane anyway, right? That's the exit lane, right? Are you with me, right? There's the exit lane, there's the slow driver lane, and there's the passing lane. That's the deal. Those are the rules of the road. If you don't know the rules, then you're going to pay the price, right? And I'm just going to knock you into that middle lane because you shouldn't have been in that exit lane anyway. That's the on and off lane, right? Or there's Serenity Pat who puts his turn signal on hoping somebody will back off or speed up to let me in, you know, and there's three of us that show up, you know. Usually it's not the guy with the turn signal. I don't want to let you know what I'm going to do so you can't stop me, right? That, that's my mentality, right? If you know I'm going to get over, you'll close the door on me, right? I mean, this is the shit that goes through this head. The recovered Pat. This is recovered Pat right here, right? And I got to fetch myself up right there. There's the 10th step right there. Holy shit. Here we go. You know, bring it back to earth, right? Bring it back to earth. God, help me to calm down and get back on track here and do your will and be your employee that I asked you to let me be when I left the house five minutes ago, right? And it's really sometimes that quick. It's really that quick. And now I'm, you know, I've set a course. I've set a positive course. I've looked at the day. I've got shit to do during the day that I don't want to do or that I'm afraid to do. I'm doing different. I'm in the service industry. Some of you guys are in the services. I know Kurt is, you know. You got, we're always doing stuff we've never done before. It's always a new adventure. It really is. It's a different house. It's a different situation. It's a new item. Never seen it before. You know. I don't want to do it. There's fear involved, right? What if I fail? What if I fail? What if I can't figure it out? Now, I've been in the business for 41 freaking years, right? I haven't not been able to figure out anything yet, but today's the day, right? <laughs> right? This is recovered Pat's day, right? This is how it goes, right? And I have to stop and say, God, it's you and me. It's you and me. Walk me through this fear. Right? This is in the morning. This is on my way to work. I already know what I have to do. I already know what my plan is. I have my work for today. I have my work for tomorrow now in my phone. I'll be wor- I'm worried about a job in my phone that I haven't seen yet. Right? Because it's different. Because it's different. Yeah. It's a challenge. Right? Now, the, the feeling of overcoming that challenge is, is, is incredible. Right? The feeling, no, I've, I've created a reputation for myself that I'm the best at what I do. Right? I mean, I've created this image that nobody's as good as me, and everybody believes that shit. You know? <laughs> so they send me <laughs> to these jobs that nobody else wants to do. Right? Kurt knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I call you when nobody else wants to do it. That's the shit, that's the deal. God, it's me and you, man. It's me and you. I'm a big fan of Brother Lawrence. If you ever get a chance to read some of Brother Lawrence, it's walking in the presence of God, living in the presence of God. And, and Brother Lawrence says, nothing wrong with setting aside time for prayer and all that, but why do we have to do that? Why don't we just take God with us everywhere we go? Why don't we just pray as we walk, right? And I've learned to do that. 
It's me and you. We're, we're going to deal. We're going to deal with it. We're going to do it. And if we can't, we're going to walk. Now, I've never walked, but I I set myself. Maybe you can't do it. Okay? Thank God for the internet, right? Because because I'm prepared. I Google that shit. You know, like, let me look at the instructions before I get there, so I don't look like an idiot in front of the customer. I mean, that's the stuff that goes through my head. Yeah. And it, it you know. Look at the 24 hours a day. Is there stuff going on that I need God's help with? Or maybe I need to bounce, Maybe I need to call somebody who's done it before and ask them if they have any experience with it. Planning for the future. Not, I'm not. Li- I'm, I'm emotionally. I'm trying to stay in the now. But I'm going to plan for my day. I ask God for direction. I ask God. What's it say? Intuitive thought and inspiration. You know, God, it's me and you. This is how I stay in the moment. This is how I run. This is how my day goes. And I set that course. And then I have to make course corrections along the way. Step 10 is course corrections along the way. You know, I get partway through my morning and I feel like crap. Inventory time. I don't want to feel like crap. You know what? I mean, I'm conflicted. Whether I'm conflicted with myself or a customer. I'm, I'm conf- there's some reason why I feel like I'm in conflict. Is it something I need to address? You know, four through nine all the time. Four through nine all day long. Make the, set the course in the morning. Now make the course corrections. The winds are going to blow. People are going to react. People are going to do things I don't like. Some people are just a pain in the ass. I'm a pain in the ass. You know, sometimes personalities clash. I have this... My wife doesn't think it's an asset, but I have this asset called sarcasm. You know? She hates it. I love it. And I use it. I think it's funny. People don't. (laughs) And I pay a price for it, right? When I get in, it puts me in conflict with people, right? So when I leave the job, I'm in conflict. Inventory, man. What did I do to hurt? Did I do something? Did it hurt somebody? Do I own amends? Why am I angry? Why am I pissed off? Fourth step. Do I need to call my sponsor and talk to them about it. Do I need to bounce this off of somebody else? Get somebody else's opinion on what just took place? Because I can justify the most errant nonsense, right? The book actually warns us that in step 11, right? Do I own amends? Get back on course, right? Eliminate the conflict in my life. I get high over conflict. I don't do conflict well. Any kind of it. I have to eliminate it immediately. It's not even about piling up for me. It's about staying out of it. Staying out of it. You know? And as soon as I get off course again, partway through the day, I feel like crap again. I get off course again. Ten step. Inventory. Confession. Restitution. Is this a character defect I need to ask God to remove? I need to really take a look at that. Pete used to always say, I, I, always, I, I give Pete credit. I shouldn't even give Pete credit anymore, actually. I was talking to him the other night. But he always says, you know, you hear it in the meetings all the time. I acted out on some old behavior last night. No, that's not old. That's current. You know? No, that's not old. If you're doing it now, it's not old behavior. That's current behavior. That's six and seven step stuff. That's ask God to remove. Am I willing to let it go and ask God, please take it? Old behavior you don't do anymore. And then at night, it takes us back to step 11, an inventory process again. It's four through nine at night. 
Start my day with a purpose, a positive purpose. Set a course, set a direction. Ask God for help. Make the course corrections all day long. And come home, how well did I do? How well did I do today? There's always something. Very rare that I have a... I have an actual... uh, uh, this, I don't think I'm going to get into it, but this, uh, the 11th step nightly inventory is based on something the Oxford groupers used to practice called how to listen to God. And, and really what they would do, and, and we, we about three or four times a year do a workshop on how to listen to God. And what they would do was uh, they would sit and meditate and let the voices come. They weren't trying to quiet the voices. They would let the voices come. And they'd be like, I got a bunch of them. Do you guys got anything going on up there? Like, there's a conversation going on up there right now. You know, it, 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 there's a lot of stuff going on, you know. And, and they would let the voices come, and they would write down everything. Everything, no matter how stupid it sounded, no matter how wrong it sounded, no matter how bad it sounded, it didn't matter how good it was. Any thoughts that came, they would write them down. And as soon as the stop, as soon as the voices stopped, right, they would inventory it. Is this is this God's will or my will? Is this is this from God or is this me? Right? And call it two way prayer. You know? Am I getting direction from God or am I is to do something or am I getting direction from God to stop doing something? Right? And then they would do they would call it three way prayer and they would bounce it off of somebody else. And ask them what they thought. Somebody else who was practicing two-way and three-way prayer, they would bounce it off of them and get their input on whether they thought it was God's will or, or not. Matter of fact, it's one of the reasons why uh, Bill Wilson wanted to break away from the Oxford groups because they, told, they got guidance telling Bill he needed to stop working with these drunks. And Bill said, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> and that was his, kind of his disconnect, you know. But it's a, it's a great way to inventory. And there's a whole, if anybody wants it, I'll send you the pamphlet. It's a, it's a really a cool a really cool thing. We do workshops on it. I don't know when we're going to do the next one, probably soon. But, but anyway, so here's my nightly inventory. And I fill these out every night, almost every night, <laughs> just about every night. And I tell you, I stopped doing it for a while. And I, I was taking one of my guys through the steps, and, I, and we were on step 10 and 11. We're sitting at Starbucks in Deerfield, and I said to him, no, so I want you to get started on this nightly inventory. I'm going to email you the template, and I want you to fill it out and email it back to me. And he said, are you doing it? I said, of course I am. <laughs> I started doing it again that night. <laughs> but I'm pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty current. I'm pretty good at it, right? First question, how was I resentful today? If so, do a four or five column inventory, right? Who am I resentful towards? Why? What part of me was affected? Did I do anything to set the ball rolling? What character defect was driving my instincts? Dishonesty, selfishness, fear, inconsideration, you know, just like a regular fourth step. Was I selfish today, egotistical or self-seeking? Was I dishonest today? Was I afraid? Was I in fear? Do I owe an apology? What have I wrongly kept secret? Was I unkind, cruel, harsh, or unfeeling? Was I unloving? What could I have done better? Was I thinking of myself most of the time? Was I thinking of what I could do for others? Was I thinking of what I could pack into the stream of life? What am I bringing to the table? Or am I still a taker? 
we added a few questions. This is really in paragraph on page 86 on when we retire at night. All those questions are there. We added a few more. Who did I help today? What did I accomplish today? What am I grateful for today? And who needs my prayers today? Right? Staying current. Staying current. Do I have anything unfinished today that's creating turmoil in my life? It's causing me to be restless, irritable, and discontent. Close the day out. And if there is something, I'm going to take care of it first thing in the morning. I'm going to take care of it immediately. I do this during the day when I'm riding around and i got something rent and space in my head. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, a, a project that's coming up. Maybe it's a bill that's coming up that I don't know how I'm going to pay. Maybe it's somebody that I'm going to have to get together with family-wise over the holidays you know, that I really don't want to get with. And instead of letting it rent space in my head all day, I write it on a piece of paper. I'm going to inventory at night. I'm going, to, I'm going to take care of it tonight when I get home. Therefore, I'm in the moment. I'm current. I don't have any conflict going on during my day. All I have to do is concentrate on what I'm doing. Right? Four through nine, all the time. Really, 10 and 11. And that, that's really the way I see 10 and 11 uh, and, and how I live it. Uh, the warning that I, that I wanted to... to talk about and why we need to bounce stuff and off other people and, and on page 87 it talks about at the very top what used to be a hunch and occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind right now early on being still inexperienced and and i really don't feel like i'm that experienced still right i still feel like a student in aa and, and i that's probably a good thing you know, I really do i feel like the student here still i still feel like i'm learning and there's this this Constant desire for more. This this constant yearning for more. You know, I want more of feeling good. Do you know what I mean? I, I suffer from the disease of more. Why not more of that? You know, why not more of that? And, but what it says is just having had conscious contact with God, being an experience of just having made conscious contact, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption all sort of absurd actions and ideas. Yeah. Nevertheless, our thinking will, as time passes, be more on the plane of inspiration. We'll be able to trust it a little more as we go on. You know? this, this justification that I, I've lived with all my life. You know? If you had my life, if you had my wife, if you had my job, if somebody did to you what they did to me, right? it's bullshit. You know? I think it's uh, in the 12 and 12 on page 60, it talks about uh, that some of us have... have made some of the most tragic, absurd decisions based on what we thought was coming from God, taking action on what we thought was coming from God, misinterpreting what we thought was coming from God. We've made some of the most tragic decisions and taken some of the tragic actions. And and they talk about even the most learned spiritual people on the planet bounce what they think is coming from God off of somebody else who's practicing spiritual principles before they take action on it. We've got to be really careful. That's where sponsorship comes in. You can't fly this thing alone. You know, I can't fly it alone. Just because you were in treatment together and in the med line together and you know, then you ran into each other in public does not mean it's God's will. You know? <laughs> you know she's, should, she's probably not your, shouldn't be your future wife. It's not at that moment anyway. You know? I mean, I've heard... My, a guy, one of my guys, and this is a true story. I mean, you can't make this shit up. One of my guys said to me, I prayed for a relationship. I went to the bus stop, and there she was. You know? 
I said, you're freaking kidding me, right? He says, what, you don't believe in the power of prayer? I said, dude, it's not the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, uh, that's the mechanics of it. That's, I still live there. You know, that's, that's what really keeps me in the middle of this thing and, and, uh, and keeps me fresh. You know, it, the, 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 the thing that I want to touch on tonight is, uh, and, and you mentioned it uh, at the beginning of the meeting, the design for living that works in tough going. You know, the, the design, the, we're living, we have a design for living now that works. It really does. So it's, you know, on, on uh, page 88, it works. It really does. The shortest paragraph in the book, you know. And, it, and, and I have had, I have hit walls in recovery. And, uh, and if and it becomes a matter of leaning in or leaning out, right? It becomes a matter of having a breakthrough or a breakdown, you know. And, uh, and fortunately, I have leaned in in all, those, all these areas. Uh, you know, I think the first challenge I had, you know, in recovery was, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my poor ex-wife uh, never really got a fair shot. Uh, you know, she lived ten years of total excess, and 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 then another fifteen years of total abstinence. <laughs> you know, she never really got normal. You know, and and so when I hit AA, uh, it was it was different. It was new. You know, for Pat not to be high all the time, it was was a new experience for her and me. And you know, it took a little while to get back together to get the restraining order lifted and the lawsuit dropped and, you know, the assault and battery charges dropped, you know, that kind of thing. So it took a little while to get that stuff calmed down but, uh, and, and to gain a little bit of credibility, you know. But we ended up getting back together, uh, ended up actually two years into recovery, ended up remarried, uh, which is a good story until later. But, uh, you know, she was really on fire with me in this new way of life. And, and I, I, and I thought we were on the same page, you know, and I was, I was about, a, uh, probably about two years sober. We had just gotten remarried and I was sitting in the, uh, I left the house and I came right back and I was in the bathroom and I look in the hamper where the dirty clothes are and I see a bag of pot in there. Right. And I, and I thought, you know what, my son is getting high. You know, and my, my son was 12 years old when I got sober, so he was about 14. I said, he's getting high. And I come out of the bathroom, and I go, man, look at this shit. You know, he's getting high. You know, I mean, he sees that I'm in recovery. He sees our family tree. He's got bottles hanging all over it. You know, you know what the hell is he thinking? Wait till he gets home. You know, we're going to have a serious time. And she said, no, it's not his. It's mine. And I said, son of a bitch. Right? I mean, I was shocked absolutely shocked and then I realized I've been yelling at my neighbor all these years about smoking pot at my window in my bedroom and it was her smoking the pot and it was going around like she was blowing it out the bathroom on the on the other side of the house it was coming around and in the bedroom right I owed my damn neighbor to men's he doesn't even get high I was telling him to stop smoking that shit out you know screaming out the window and I was so pissed and, and I don't even know if, it, if that's the word 
you know, I, I had never really, I was the first time in sobriety that I had hit a wall. You know, like, now what? You know? And I stormed out of the house and jumped in my van and backed into the car. You know? And that was like that, you know that moment? That, ah, you know that moment? And I wanted a fucking drink. I, it was the first time that I had been in where I really wanted a drink. I know, in the back of my mind, my mind still knows what will fix that feeling. You know, I remember that feeling. I, I remember that feeling, that Boone's Farm going down, that half a bottle of Boone's Farm. That's a long time ago, man. That's 50-some years ago. I still remember how I felt halfway through that bottle. I still remember going from Pee Wee Herman to John Travolta in a half a bottle of wine. You know what I mean? I was like the man. Went from Pee Wee Herman to the man. You know? And I knew how to find, my, my mind still knows how to find relief in that. You know? I still remember what it feels like when that oxy kicks in. You know? And for a moment, and it felt like 15 minutes, but it was, but it was a moment. It was a moment. It was a turning point. You know, are you going to have a breakthrough here or are you going to have a breakdown? Right. And I took off and my next thought was call your sponsor. And I called my sponsor. Couldn't get a hold of him. So I went to the mall, spent a bunch of fucking money. <laughs> a little shopping spree for myself. You know, and then I got a hold of him and sat with him and talked to him. You know. And we had a talk. You know. And who am I to tell her what to do? You know, who am I to tell her what she can and cannot do? You know, that was a tough pill to swallow. I couldn't be around it. I can't be around it. I still can't be around it. You know, I don't want to be around it. I mean, why do I want to be around that? You know, just not my thing. I don't want to be around drunks either. I don't mind people having a drink here and there. I don't mind that, but I don't want to be around drunks. You know, I want to be around people who are coherent. <laughs> you know, that's that's what my life is today. You know? It was the first breakthrough that I had in my recovery. I think I talked to you guys about, uh, actually, that's what you were talking about, the, 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 the clubhouse that we opened uh, back in the early 90s. And uh, it was my baby. I was on the lease. And me and two other guys started this clubhouse. It's still around today. And, uh, and it was my thing, man. That's where I lived. You know, I think it was probably how I stayed sober uh, in my first few years, because I was so involved in service, you know, I was not a big God guy at the time, you know, I prayed, I went through the mechanics, but really I stayed sober on working and, and remodeling this clubhouse and being there all the time. I mean, I, I had a place to go anytime I, I had a key to a clubhouse, you know, I could go there in the middle of the day and just sit there and read the literature and, you know, clean the bathrooms and paint and do whatever, you know, I just, that, I was just always there. I was just always busy, and uh, it, it probably saved my life, you know, because I, you know, it took years for me to really, to really get the God thing, to really get that end of it, you know. I mean, I went through the mechanics like everybody else, they'll get up in the morning, say a prayer, say thank you at night, you know, I went through the whole mechanical thing, but it, it was years before I really got it, you know. I mean, I felt the presence, but I didn't know how much I trusted the presence, you know. And, uh, and so anyways, somebody accuses me of stealing money. Uh, I'm five years sober. I did not handle it well. I wanted to kick his ass. You know, that was my thing. I ended up throwing the checkbook at him and hitting him with the checkbook. You know, my two sons were there. It was an anniversary night, business meeting night. They saw to see spiritual Pat in, in action. 
They, matter of fact, my oldest son stepped between me and this guy to stop me from clobbering the guy. I'm not sure I would have won anyway. But and and it's. I think I said this the other day when I was here that just when I think life is falling apart, it's really falling into place, you know, and 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 I have an I have that turning point. I stand at that turning point again. Now what, you know? And, and I moved out of that clubhouse, took my name off the lease, and moved into a Boca Boys men's group and became an active participant in this men's group. And I share with you guys when I did my fifth step that I held something back. I held something out of my fifth step. I'm five years sober, and it's starting to deal with me. And I go to this men's group, and I join this men's group, and there's Howard C. speaking at this men's group, and he shares my damn secret from the podium. The thing that I'm afraid to tell anybody, he shares openly. And I ask him to sponsor me after that meeting, and I get free of that one thing that I was hanging on to. And he became my sponsor up to the point he died for almost 10 years. You know? And he taught me the meaning of service. He, he, from him, I started sponsoring guys. I started taking guys through the steps. You know? That was his idea of spirituality. He wasn't a big God guy either. You know? he, was, he was that... God wants you to help other alcoholics. That's what you need to be doing. And I got really involved in that. It was my home group uh, up until I was 10 years sober. Yeah. Over 10 years sober. But I, and this, these are the guys that really taught me how to show up in AA. These are the guys that taught me AA etiquette. You know what I mean? Like, get off your freaking phone. I mean, they would tell you right in the middle of the meeting. Get off your freaking phone. You know? You're going to chair a meeting. Put a collar on. Don't you show up at that podium with a T-shirt on. You won't chair here. You won't be able to speak here unless you have a collar on. These are the guys who kept me on topic. You wanted to talk about your girlfriend or your divorce again or your financial problems. No, that's not what we're talking about. They didn't interrupt you halfway through the sentence. No, you want to talk about that, we'll get with you after the meeting. Topic tonight's powerlessness. Yeah, but I'm powerless or that? Yeah, Pat, enough. Yeah. come to the dinner before the meeting or get with us after the meeting we'll talk about your girlfriend again you know (laughs) but not during the meeting we're going to talk about recovery these are the guys that taught me how to show up and the dinner by the way was free anybody could come to the dinner you didn't have to have money to come to the dinner they openly said that guys that had money threw 20s at the table when it was over these waiters and waitresses used to walk around with hundreds of dollars worth of tips. If you had money, fine. If not, fine. But this is where we're going to talk about that kind of stuff, not in the meeting. I was sit- Did you ever like sit in your home group, restless, irritable, and discontent? You ever, you ever get there? I got there. I got, I got in my home group, and I was sitting there, and going, if this guy tells the dog and ketchup story one more freaking time, I'm going to kill him. You know, like, you know what everybody's going to say. Like, you've heard this shit before. I was sitting in my home group, restless, irritable, and discontent. I don't want to be here. Do you ever get to a place in recovery where nothing's wrong, but everything feels wrong? Right? Like, I'm doing everything. I'm doing 84 through 88. Right? I'm doing my morning meditation. I'm doing my daily inventory. I'm doing my nightly inventories. Why am I falling apart? What is wrong? 
Now, I'm bringing this up because I'm bringing up, I want to talk a little bit about the power of prayer. And I don't know what that, how that all works, to be honest with you. I'm just not that smart. I'm not sure if prayer actually changes things or if prayer actually puts me in a position to change. I'm not sure how that works. All I know is that when I pray, things change. That's all I know. And Billy G comes up to me. I share with Billy what's going on. I say, I can't sit in this meeting anymore. I say, I can't take it. And I don't, it's been my home group for 10 years. I don't, I don't, I really don't want to leave. Howard's there. My sponsor's there. You know, I don't want to leave him. He says, start praying on it. I said, what do I pray for? He said, how about this? He gives me the prayer of Jabez. Pray, pray for this. And I'll give you the short version of prayer of Jabez. And if you ever want to read a really good short read, easy read, get the prayer of Jabez, the book. It's a really small book. Actually, is a small book. And the short version is, is bless me, protect me, and expand my territory. Right? That's, that's the, God wants us blessed. I need God's protection and expand my territory. I need to do service, right? So I'm praying this prayer. And somebody asks me to do the big book study on Wednesday nights, which is my home group night, at the Hollywood Happy Hour. And I said, no, it's my home group night. And I tell Billy, he asked me to do this. He said, God answered the prayer. I said, what are you talking about? He said, aren't you listening? You asked God for help. You prayed on it. And God gave you the Hollywood Happy Hour Big Book Study. Go do it. So I tell my sponsor, I'm going to go do this Big Book Study. And I'll be back in 12 weeks. And uh, I think that was... 15 years ago, <laughs> maybe more. I haven't been back since. I went back once to present a medallion to somebody, right? I just, from there, I get asked to speak at Zion. I connect with Billy G again. I connect with a bunch of guys that I got sober with at Zion, right? There's a guy there that hears me tell my story, and I swear to you, the only thing he heard was I remarried my wife at two years, my ex-wife at two years, and that's what he wanted. And I think that's all he heard. And he came up to me and asked me to sponsor him after the meeting. Right? Terrence. I, I start sponsoring Terrence. We start doing a big book study in his uh, apartment at his halfway house. Right? People here were doing this big book study in the halfway house. They start coming to his apartment on, on Wednesday nights. Right? The apartment gets too small. We have to move the meeting to the weight room downstairs at the halfway Gets too big for that, so we have to move it into an office facility on property. Gets too big for that, we had to rent a church in Deerfield. It's my home group now. It's a Deerfield Beach study group. There's anywhere from 50 to 100 people there every Monday night. Amazing how prayer works. From there, we started a a workshop where we take people through the steps in five weeks. That's been going on for over 15 years. I take probably at least one person a month, one person every five weeks, at least one. You know, I get to hear about a fifth step every month, you know, at least one fifth step every month. Amazing what happens when you buy in to prayer. The book talks about see where religious people are right. Use what they have to offer. Sometimes we have to move outside of the AA literature to find more. I remember uh, going to, uh, I, I, I get to points uh, many times where I don't feel like there's enough hours in the day. Anybody get there? Like, I just need more, I need like 36 hours in a day. You know, just not enough time. 
to do my job, spend time with my wife, and sponsor the guys that I sponsor. There's just not enough time. And I walk into Central Fact Group up in Deerfield, and Pete M. and, and uh, Ben T. are sitting there, and two of the guys that I stalk. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I go up to those two. I see them sitting there together. I says, man, do you ever feel like you just don't have enough time for everything you need to do? You ever you feel like, like you don't have enough time for your sponsees? And they both almost at the same time looked at me and said, yeah, all the time. All the time. It's called divine dissatisfaction. You always want to be able, you always want to do more. I would rather sponsor guys than go to work. I'd rather do 12-step work than go to work. Work is something I do between meetings and between sponsorship. That's not who I am. I'm not the job anymore. I'm not the truck anymore. I'm not the boyfriend. I'm not the husband. People ask me what I do. I fish for men. That's what I do. Most people don't even know what I do for a living, and that's the way I like it. They don't know what I do for a living. They don't know my political affiliation. They don't know my religious affiliation. I like it. It's the way it should be. This is what I do. This is what we were chosen for. Fifteen years sober, my wife wants a divorce. My wife doesn't want to do this anymore. She would rather party. She would rather smoke the pot and have a few drinks. She wants normal. She just wants what a lot of people see as normal. Go out Friday night, have a couple drinks, do a little dance, and go home. You know? And I can't do that. She's sick. She doesn't want to do one more freaking gratitude dinner. Right? No more picnics. You know? She's had it with this AA, this triple A shit. You know? <laughs> She's had it. I don't want any part of it. And we start living separate lives. Now my two boys left, one both off to college. One, one in the army, one in, uh, in the military. And we were stuck with each other and, and no longer have anything in common. I was absolutely crushed. Absolutely. I'm 15 years sober and I'm crushed. It was the, it was the biggest wall I've ever hit in recovery. Yeah. What dawned on me is I, don't, I can't get along with, I can't have a relationship drunk or sober. Right? Either way, I end up divorced. Right? And I, uh, I wanted out. I, and I don't mean I wanted to drink. I wanted out. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to play. You ever get there? I just, I don't want to feel. I don't want to feel anymore. I want to go to the mountains of Pennsylvania and live in a cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere and live off the land <laughs> and have nothing but animals around me because I love animals and they love me. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I, I mean, this would be a great planet if people weren't on it. You know, that's, that, that's really the way I felt at that time. And sometimes I still feel that way. But <laughs> I'm just not good. I don't play well with others. I just don't. I don't know what that is. But, you know, I'm, I'm driving up and down A1A really contemplating uh, what I want to do. I want to run. And I don't know where I want to run. That's a bad place to be at 15 years sober. And I get a call. I hadn't seen Billy in a couple of years. And I get a call from Billy. And you know what he says? You are on my heart. Where does that come from? You were on my heart. Let me tell you something. When somebody's on my heart now, I call them. It means something. 
When you're thinking about somebody, when somebody comes on your heart, you need to call them. Something's going on. And he just calls me out of nowhere. I hadn't talked to him for two years. He just calls me out of nowhere. You okay? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> you know? No, really, are you okay? Because you, you came on my heart for a reason. And I tell him what's going on. And he says, cool, we're going to pick you up and take you to a meeting tonight. Uh, that's not necessary. He says, no, no, we're going to pick you up and take you to a meeting. Russell's speaking down in North Miami. Oh, no. No, not going there. You know, that's the God Squad guys there. You know, I'm not going down to see Russell. You know, anywhere else, but don't take me to see Russell. You know, Russell knows this story. I've told Russell this story many times. I go down, right? It's an on track. I don't know what that meeting was. It was on the tracks right there off of 95. Uh, might have been called that. What was it? Is that what it was, West Dixie? No, on track. On track, it was called, right? Yeah. And Russell opens up the meeting like this. If you're new, you might want to go to another meeting. <laughs> I'm here to speak to the guy who's 15 to 20 years sober, dying inside. And I broke down. Oh, my God. He's talking to me. He's speaking directly at me, right? Now, I know now, following stalking Russell, that, that Russell opens up a lot of meetings like that. <laughs> you probably should go to another meeting if you're new, because <laughs> he's a God guy. That's who he is. That, that's our solution. And he said, you might want to look outside of AA for more. That what do you do when 84 through 88 is not working anymore? What do you do when what you're doing, you're doing everything that AA suggests you should do, but it's not working anymore? It's time to reach outside of AA and maybe seek what religious people have to offer. Maybe see where some of the stuff they have is true. Maybe they are right. Maybe there's billions of people out there that aren't wrong. Maybe there's a handful that perverted the thing to make it look wrong. Perverted the religion. Maybe there's a handful that perverted that to make it look wrong, but there's billions out there that are living happy lives with it. Maybe they got something you can use. I leave that meeting. Peter M., we had him come down from Jersey to speak. At my, actually, he came down to, for an interview, but we asked him to speak at our home group, at the Deerfield Beach Study Group on our anniversary. A week later, Peter speaks. I take Peter and uh, Artie from the halfway house up there to dinner, and Frankie and Johnny's in Deerfield. And Peter and I are sitting there having this philosophical debate right, about, well, actually, Peter wasn't debating anything. I was having a debate. Right? You know, like convergence have babies and people rise from the dead, that kind of stuff, right? And Pete just listened. You know? and, and we're leaving, and Pete says to me, did you ever think you would be sober 15 years? And I said, no. That's unbelievable. He said, that's an absolute miracle, isn't it? And I said, yeah. He said, so anything's possible. And, uh, and he says to me, why don't you go back to the religion of your childhood and leave for a good reason? And that hit me. That hit me. Like, why did I leave? You know why I left? I couldn't live up to their damn principles. That's what I There's a window of opportunity, page 423. It says, when alcoholics can't live up to the principles, they lower their principles. Right? It's like their goals. When alcoholics can't live up to their goals, they lower their goals. Normal people change their behavior to meet the principles. Normal people change their behavior to reach the goal. We do just the opposite. We lower our principles and our goals. Right? That's what I did. 
I looked at that. This is the fun side of the island over here. I'll see you guys. And I was in just enough pain. That was Friday, Saturday night. I was just in enough pain Sunday morning to go back to church. First time since I was 14, 15. At, at almost 50 years old, I'm back in church. And I, have an, and, I, and I throw up that God if you're there prayer. God if you're there. I need you now. You know? And I had an experience in that church. I had an absolute spiritual experience in that church. You know what dawned on me? It sounds stupid, but here's what dawns on me. This is like the revelation that I had. Why would you want to be with somebody that doesn't want to be with you? Right? That was like a revelation. Like, like why would you want somebody that doesn't want you? And the next thing that comes on my heart is uh, your new sponsor is going to be Garrett M. And Garrett was one of the God guys, one of the God squad. And I met with Garrett the next day, and I asked Garrett to be my sponsor. I, here's what I said to him. You scare the hell out of me, but I need what you have. And Garrett was my sponsor up until the day he died, a few years, three years ago. It was a breakthrough or a breakdown. You know, which way are we going to go? It's time, we need to utilize everything that's out there. Now, a quick story, a quick ending to that is my life wasn't falling apart. My life was falling into place. Right? I knew I needed to spend time alone. I knew that I was still a taker in relationships, that I didn't have a clue how to do a relationship. I'm 15 years sober, and I'm still a taker. I'm still validated by this relationship. I still need you to do certain things to make me happy. I'm not in to make you happy business. You're in to make me happy business. And I realized I need to spend a year cultivating a relationship with God and getting right with God. So I have a freaking clue on how to have a healthy relationship. First thing Garrett had me do was do a timeline. Take five-year increments of your life. List significant moments, good and bad. Boy, that's a revelation. You'll see why you might not be able to have healthy relationships with other people. If you can't have a healthy relationship, if you don't have a healthy relationship with the two people that you should have been able to depend on unconditionally, when your role models don't have healthy relationships, probably not going to have one. Probably not going to. My role models were alcoholics and addicts. And I spent a year by myself, and I got comfortable being alone. Can you imagine that? I couldn't. I could not believe that I could be okay by myself. And just then, God puts the person in my life that I was supposed to be with all along. And I didn't even see her. She picked me. Somebody said, you know she really likes you. And I go, that's nice. Yeah. Week later, no, she wants to go out. How come you don't ask her out? I don't know. You know, it was her anniversary. I asked her out, and 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 I know I'm running out of time. And and I'm saying this because I had no clue how to have a relationship. And the first date, we go to Bubba Gump Shrimp Company on our first date in Fort Lauderdale, and I'm sitting there shaking like a leaf. And I said, "Can we take sex off the table?" Can we take it off the table? Can we just get to know each other? Could you imagine starting a relationship off like that? I couldn't. How about we become friends first? How about if we see if we even like each other first? How about if I see if I like anything about you and you like anything about me before we jump in the damn sack? That's, that's a spiritual awakening. That's a personality change right there. Sufficient to recover from alcoholism. The short version is 
she's the bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, she is the absolute bomb. She's the person I should have been with all my life. You know, she says, in is I'm in, in. She is all in. She is all in. She gets the phone calls in the middle of the night like I get the phone calls in the middle of the night. She's running out of the house at midnight like I'm running out of the house to take somebody to detox. You know? we're, on, we're on the same journey. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world to be able to walk this spiritual path with somebody who is also walking the same path. It's an incredible journey. And I get to do that. And, and I only know that looking in the rearview mirror, right? I thought everything was falling apart and it was falling into place. And I had another breakthrough instead of a breakdown. This program's all about leaning in. That's what Garrett used to tell me all the time. Lean in, Pat. Lean in. Everything will work out. Everything will fall into place. Just lean in. Thanks for letting me be here tonight. I'll see you in two weeks. All right. Can we thank Pat one more time? Uh, oh, no. Okay, yeah, so we're going to invite up the secretary to do the secretary support. Yeah, I was... Hi, my name is James, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seven tradition, which states every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. I've asked Alex to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identified as recovered rather than recovering and what exactly that means to be a recovered alcoholic. Alex, alcoholic. Alex. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured. This presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Nineteen forties style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition Alcoholics Anonymous of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried fifty percent got sober at once and remained that way. Twenty five percent sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen felt come to believe and experience is that God has not changed over time and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistic above suggests a seventy five percent plus success rate. Any recovered alcoholics out there? Can I get your hands? Awesome. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I just have one announcement. We're not going to be meeting here next Thursday, so find a different meeting to go to on Thursday. Uh, the Monday night meeting is going to be here, the Big Book Study. 7.15 is when it starts. It's upstairs on the third floor. Fellowship's at 6.30. Um, we'll see you not next week, but the week after that. Yeah, if you need a meeting next Thursday, come see one of us, and we can help you find one as well. Um, We have tonight's session and all other past speakers' um, podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. Once again, we'd like to invite everybody to the Monday night Big Book Study, but we will not be having a meeting next Thursday. And for those who wish to 
thank Pat, uh, line up down the center aisle. Now we would like to close with the Lord's Prayer. You can stand up. Yeah. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, Let me.
sounds and oh when you smiling when you smiling When you laughing, ba 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 ba. When you laughing, yes, the sun comes shining through. But when you crying. Sighing, baby, and be happy again. Yes, and keep on smiling. Keep on smiling, baby, and I hope.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Each way flowers blooming all the time. 
outside my door Never before I had to change everything to realize That today is the best day of my life This broken man I traveled far and wide Through the great divide Through his own heart, yeah Just about to smile. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
No! 